Welcome to you to Kuz the Kick Radio Hot Tag Podcast Collaboration Show. I'm your host, J. Cap Morris. With me is Shaheen, Boxman in the Cut. What's going on, guys? Oh, what's going on, man? Doing a nice little late edition on a Monday night. So, yeah. you know, we said fuck Raw. I mean, I don't watch Raw. J. Cat doesn't watch Raw. So we figured it's not going to make a difference whether we do it Sunday night or Monday night. Right. Uh, like 95% of the people listen usually through the downloads anyways. Actually, more than 95%. About probably say 99% listen to download so not really gonna make much of a difference but uh real quick shout out to uh all the, all the listeners the past two episodes they've been uh doing some real good numbers so definitely appreciate everybody listening and uh tuning in and yeah uh, i to say actually the, the hot tag uh itunes is uh right at 2,000 subscribers so that's good shit man yeah it's crazy go ahead and keep subscribing on that shit uh it would be greatly appreciated if you guys actually download the episodes and then delete them because that actually shows up as a download. Uh, when you just stream it, it does not count as a download for us. So that always helps us with the rankings and stuff if you actually download the episodes. You're always more than welcome to delete it after you listen to it, but that would definitely help out. If they download, delete it, and then download it again, do you get two downloads for that? I believe so. You might. I don't know. Well, shit. I mean, if you got like a day off and you don't have a fucking thing to do, just keep deleting and downloading it. Like, a, <laughs> if you want to download the same episode a hundred times, go ahead, knock yourself out. Sure. If you have like uh, OCD or something, it's probably safest to download it at least twenty times. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, real quick, man. I just saw this pop up actually. Um, I guess Beyond Wrestling is doing this. They got uh, Matt Riddle going against Joey Janela. Um. Which is like a match that I'm actually surprised hasn't happened yet because you would think that's that's something that they would capitalize on immediately. Yeah, I thought it was happening somewhere else before, but I guess not. I, I think I saw that recently too. It's like a first time ever match, and I, I really thought that somewhere in New York or somewhere put that on, but I guess not. Now, uh, speaking of Matt Riddle, did you see the um, the tweets that went out uh, on behalf of Nick Gage? And once again, I'm saying on behalf because clearly, you know, I, I'm pretty, I'm almost positive, Lauderdale. Mm. When Brad Lauderdale tweeted out, yeah. Um, no, I mean I, I seen it because I th- I think uh, I saw it because I think you posted it on your page or something like that, and people were like, "I can't believe this fucking guy," and I don't know. I mean, it's that Twitter is fucking ridiculous. Like, Twitter in general to me is ridiculous, but Nick Gage's Twitter is is fucking super ridiculous. Yeah. So anybody that does not know, uh, Matt Riddle, I. I don't know if the guy's, like, trying to do some deathmatch style. I'm, I'm not really sure, because he did the one match with Tremont. Um, yeah, to be honest, it was an okay match. It was exactly what I expected, you know. It wasn't anything crazy. They used, like, a barbed wire board here and there. He took, like, I think, like, maybe one bump onto the barbed wire board. Um, still give him credit, because he's, he's talented enough and he's over enough where he never has to do this type of shit. You know what I mean? Like, the dude never has to do, take a barbed wire fucking bump. The guy's all over the place. They can book him against anybody, and they'll sell out. And he doesn't have to do this shit. So I, I don't know. I don't know if he's, like, testing the waters out or whatever the case is. But uh, I saw Nick Gage or Brett Lauderdale, whoever's running this Twitter, basically put out a little uh, teaser, which is, like, the new way to book matches for, for indie wrestling now. If uh, you don't know, it's basically wrestlers going out of their own way to create little online, quote-unquote, feuds hoping that, you know, one of the promotions is going to capitalize on the opportunity and actually book that match so they can both get paid for it. Uh, so Nick Gage went out of his way, and he, he called him, like, a pussy and said, hey, if you want to get into, like, a real fight and you want to see some real violence, you know, come bring it to me. So 
I'm guessing GCW is kind of behind this. They're they're trying to you know test the waters out and see if Matt Riddle is interested in coming in and kind of doing like Nick Gage versus Matt Riddle, which uh, I'm all for, it, man. I would I would love to see Gage and Riddle. I think they would tear the fucking house down. It doesn't even have to be death match. I think they should just beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, yeah, I could see that being really good. Um, you know, it's just going to be another one of these. You're a pussy, you're a pushy, and then like huge mutual respect after the match. You know. That's that's basically what it is. <laughs> Yo, I, I did see this. Uh, I did recently see this clip that you sent me, which just fucking disgusts me. And, and by no means am I homophobic. I work with gay people. I consider some uh, some people that are gay my friends. I have no problem with that. You do what you got to do. I just I don't want to see it. That's all I'm saying. I can converse with you. I have no problem. If I if you're gay at a show, I have no problem with that. It's, it's whatever, dude. It's your it's your life. You do what you gotta do. I just don't want to see the shit. If you're gay uh, at a show, <laughs> if you're gay at a show, it's all right. Like if, you're Muslim, if you're gay on the bus, it's all right. Like, if you're no, gay, I, you know. Yeah, you're, you know what I mean. I, I I don't have anything against them. You know. If you're gay with the box. If you are gay with the fox, it is okay. Stick your dick where you want it. I don't, I don't give a shit, dude. It's not much. <laughs> what you got to do. But uh, Jay sent me this fucking clip of, I don't even know who these wrestlers are. Uh, some black dude basically got pantsed. Like, literally, Boxman, I'm talking whole fucking gear. Dude just stripped him down to his ball sack. Okay. He's holding on to his fucking dick. His ball sack is hanging out. I'm like... And people are like cheering. I'm like, I, I don't find this entertaining at all. If I paid fucking twenty bucks to get in for GA, that's not what I want to see. They you know? yeah. just like that was the move. Just boom, pants down. They just yeah, that's, that was the end of the match. That was the finish. The guy fucking tore his pants down, and he was left fucking, you know, nutsack hanging out. Ran. Dude had to run to the back because he had no fucking clothes on. So uh, wow, that was uh, the old dick swing finisher, yeah. Yeah, that's a fuck yeah. finish for sure, man. Um, yeah, indie wrestling's really gotten pretty, uh, pretty, uh, gay, gay. Okay, gay. Okay. Gay. I was just going for the Doctor Seuss thing, and I didn't realize how much of a a double pun it was to say <laughs> you can be gay with a box, you can gay gay with a fox. <laughs> I didn't think of the uh, the fox <laughs> thing until yeah. after I said it, but uh, it's even funnier. Shout out to your. Uh, and the yeah. box thing is just mean. I mean, why you got to make fun of me like that, dude? What the fuck, man? <laughs> Not that <fun. laughs> But um, but yeah, actually, uh, this show apparently was um like a yearly event that was held by I guess that Rick Catalato guy. You know, the the dude that wants to be a chick. Uh, One of the uh, calls himself like the boy diva or something. Ah, uh, okay, the guys that. Uh, DJ, WSU guys. Yeah, well, he books, I guess, the show, and the show is called A Matter of Pride. So I think the whole theme of the entire show is gay. I mean, you wouldn't catch me within a fucking 100-mile radius of this fucking thing. I don't know if that is maybe 100 miles from my house. I don't know. But anywhere closer than I already am, it's not fucking happening. Um, But, yeah, I, I, I guess this was the gimmick was he just ripped his fucking trunks off and the dude ran to the back naked and then he stood in the ring like he, like he won because the guy I guess got counted out I, I don't know how that works but yeah shit's not for me you know what now now that you put it that way I mean if it is a show called Pride like you should know what you're getting yourself into going in that oh, building 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, since that's the case, I don't care, dude. It is. You definitely know what the fuck you're getting into with that show. (laughs) The dude running it, the fucking theme of the show. Yeah, it's... The VIP got got fucking dildos glued onto their chair so they can just sit comfortably on top of it. (laughs) I don't know anything about the VIP section, bro. (laughs) I'm surprised they didn't have Louie doing the announcing, man. Yeah. Fucking dildo just right on top of the mic. Or just Louis Dildo doing the announcing. I mean, he he loves that gay shit. I don't know. Man. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with Louis. It's uh, fucking wild. Yeah, this I, this this shit was just fucking weird to me. I just thought I should uh, point that I, out real I, quick. Look, I I I told you once. You're rolling around with uh, you know a bunch of grown men. Eventually, homo's gonna happen. Shit. Um. See, you know <laughs> the the thing is, it's always had somewhat of a stigma, like a bunch of you know half-naked guys rolling around with each other all oiled up and shit you know people are like oh that's gay and for the longest time you go that's not gay it's not at this point i mean they have a pretty good argument lined up for what the shit's going on in the ring i mean it's gonna be a hard thing i'm not even gonna argue i'm gonna you're probably right man <laughs> you watch the gay shit yeah unfortunately that's a little yeah. dabble in gay entertainment oh shit gay uh-huh. entertainment no, they're bleeding, so it's not that it's not that gay when they smack each other with dildos. It's yeah. mildly gay. Look at all the blood. Yeah, they even did it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even did it with Pondo and uh, Tremont. They had the dildo spot. Um, um, not into it. Yeah, not into it. Dildo on a fucking drill, like drill that shit in your ass. Like, yeah, I'm good, dude. I, I'm not really into that. Not my thing. You know, but um. Yo, I did. I did see this. Uh, well, I didn't see it. I, I heard it. Um, Sammy Callahan was on uh, Cole Cabana's uh, podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And um, basically, he was like, I, "I was, you know, as much as I don't really like the direction he's taking his character, or possibly his booking. I don't know if he was booking Tod or whatever the case is. I'm going to give him a fair shot. It is what it is. But uh, I do respect the guy a lot because he, when he went on the on the Cole Cabana podcast, you could tell like, dude believes in himself a whole lot you know what i mean like 100 percent. like the guy was like yo like i, I went up there and uh, i forgot how to get over it. he was like it's 100 percent my fault he was like you know i was trying to be the fucking the, the the cookie cutter fucking baby face that they wanted me to do they wanted me to tan all the goddamn time and become orange and this then and third and he was like I, I wasn't really comfortable with it and i should have stood up for myself and said nah man like i'm fucking sammy callahan this is this is why you brought me here was because i was doing that psycho gimmick and um I respect him because he walked away from a, uh, a lot of money and a great opportunity um, where he wasn't happy anymore. He was like, yo, I wasn't being myself. I, I I just couldn't look at myself at the end of the day in the mirror and be proud of what I'm doing. So this is why I'm back on the indies. And uh, apparently he's actually making more money than he was in WWE right now. So good for that guy. But what what led him to ditching the psycho gimmick and going to the half gay gimmick and doing all the goofy shit he's doing now? That's a great point. I have no clue what the fuck happens. I, I mean, I mean, if that's the thing that got him signed, he did it really well. That's what made me a fan. Because not only was he fucking brutal in the ring, and just he, he he's a great, great worker. And I still, you know, love his in ring work. But the shit those Ohio guys are up to, kissing each other on the mouth, and it just I'm not with it, man. It, it completely makes me not want to watch their matches. So I don't, I don't really know what takes him in that direction. So you could have all of that you know, pride in what you're all about. But as soon as you come out and it, it's a little more gay pride than other pride, then I, I'm not really positive, you know, what, what's going on. 
Speaking of Pride, I'm surprised he wasn't booked on that Pride show then. I mean, I, did, I, I didn't see the lineup, but believe me, I could book that fucking card myself with the shit that I see that's going on on the indies. There's the one gay dude on the indies. Um, the, the, the black dude. Matt Cage. He retired, though. Nah, 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 nah. The, um, he's always, like, poking his ass out and shit. He's, like, oh, uh, Sonny Kiss. Sonny Kiss. Like, yeah. I'm sure I've, he's main eventing that. Yeah, probably. I haven't seen any of his work, but like again, like guys like that, like I like I don't have a problem with it because I know what I'm getting myself into. If I see Sonny Kiss, like I know, like all right, well this dude's crazy going to show up in a thong and he's going to poke his ass out, so maybe I'll go to the vendors. You know what I mean? But when it's a, when it's Sammy Callahan going against Jay Chris, I'm like, oh shit, I want to see this, and then they kiss in the mouth, and I'm like, oh well, dude, it's not really what I was expecting here, you know? Right? Yeah, Sonny's a really good worker too. I saw him on a uh, On Point show. Uh, he's just, his gimmick is so fucking over the top to me. Like I found it comedic, and then you know, because I mean, he's he's acting like not only like a chick, but like a real fucking out there chick. You know what I mean? Like not not mild at all. Like it, it's pretty fucking severe. And I I laughed fucking maniacally at it. Um, I later on saw someone post. I, I forget who it was. Somebody I think it was that Colin West dude that runs another fed in new york he's a gay dude too and uh he had posted some big tirade about you know sonny's gimmick isn't a joke it's a lifestyle and this and that so i don't i mean this is a dude in booty shorts twerking in the fucking ring i'm supposed to look at this and go oh that's an interesting direction like i'm not supposed to laugh at that at all that's offensive if i laugh and go fuck yourself I, i don't know what to tell you i i I can't look at that seriously like that's some shit that happens in my normal life around me. It's, it, that's not what I'm about. I, I, I can't do it. So, I don't know. Apparently, I'm not able to even be entertained in that in that manner by this dude's fucking uh, gimmick or life or whatever the fuck you want to call it. But it is what it is. The dude's a really good in-ring worker, though, you know, beyond all of that other twerking shit. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Uh, that that kind of brings me back to uh, what we've discussed the past couple of weeks with you saying this guy saying like, hey, like, you know, this is a lifestyle and this, that, and the third. Again, wrestling is subjective, dude. Like, if you do some shit in the ring, I'm allowed to laugh at it. Like, I, I pay my fucking yeah. twenty bucks. Like, dude, it is what it is. It's my opinion. You you don't have to like me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not asking you for an autograph. I'm not asking you to be on the show. Yeah. We don't have to be friends. I'm paying to get in, and I, I can say what I want about the show. If I like it, I like it. If I dislike it, I disliked it. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, like, if you're getting your panties in a bunch, you probably shouldn't be in the wrestling business, dude. You're, yeah. you're in there to be criticized. Like, that's what the fuck people are doing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's so, entertainment. If you're super insecure, you should probably not be doing entertainment. Right. Sure. Like, the, the, the front row people, they always have a great time for the most part, you know, slapping hands and all that stuff. But, well, that doesn't, that's not everybody. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of the people left uh, TOD unhappy and. No, I don't want to bring the whole TOD thing back up, but, like, you know, a lot of people were, like, complaining that hey, it was a great show, you guys need to sh- show respect and this, that, and that. It's like, dude, well, it's people's opinions, you know? And, and Jay liked the show more than I did, but, like, dude, it's it's an opinion. It's like me telling him that, like, no, that was a bad show. Well, he enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it. That's just what it is. Agree to disagree. We don't have to agree on everything. Just yeah. an opinion. You know what I mean? And, uh... Honestly, the show was better than than what I, how I reviewed it originally. Once I watched it on tape, because a lot of the spots I didn't get to see, because you know, obviously, going from places in the crowd, you get you get to miss some of the big spots. Um, mm-hmm. It was better, but still, overall, it was it was a disappointing show to me. But uh, yeah. Yeah. not to go back into the whole thing again, but just just to touch on it real quick, like I just think 
the booking of putting Jimmy Havoc over was not a smart idea. I, I still, I don't give a fuck how it's explained to me. I don't know if it's like, oh, well, Connor going to the finals and losing to Jimmy so he could turn heel was the whole, eh, it's still, it was still a terrible idea. Jimmy's not there next month. Jimmy's probably not there the month after that. Yeah, they were going to bring him back. I'm sure they'll bring him back. DJ loves the European guys, so I don't doubt that they'll bring him back. But to put him over as a tournament of death winner, um, I don't think so. I, I think if you put him all the way to the finals and he busted his ass, people will be dying for him to come back. And the next time he shows up at TOD and you put him over, the fans are going to eat it up. But, you know, they just, some shit they jumped the gun on and some shit they wait so long they lose it. So it is what it is. Yeah, that's kind of what I wish they would have done is, uh, you know, just just kind of introduce him to the crowd this year and mm-hmm. if you put him over, put him over next year or whenever, you know, he comes back. But, yeah. you know, when 80 when percent of your crowd doesn't know who the guy is or maybe know him by name, just, you know, searching some YouTube clips or you know, yeah. uh, probably not the best idea to put the guy over. Um, I, I did hear you mention on your show that uh, you were surprised how over he was actually with the crowd. Um, yeah, I, the reaction. You can hear the reaction. And, I mean, unless they did some WWE pumping in crowd noise shit. I mean, when they went to Let's Go Masada, Jimmy fucking Havoc shit, it, it was coming through about the same levels on the mic. Yeah. So the whole thing with that was it was a group of uh, people. Actually, one of them is a listener, uh, Derek. He listens to the show. He he brought in a bunch of his buddies. Um, they're like, they're like, like, you know, like the kind of like the hipster new, like wrestling fans. So they're into like new Japan and a lot of the UK stuff. Mm-hmm. They don't follow CZW like that. That was the, their first CZW show. He had brought a shitload of his buddies. So literally that all you heard was actually that group. It was just the 20 kids that came together in like five different cars, um, okay. standing next to each other. So literally it, it wasn't the whole crowd. Nobody knew who the fuck he was. It was just those guys. And that's because they watched ref pro and progress and WXW and all that shit. Uh, well, I mean, well, props to them on the volume for matching the other, I don't know, fucking 500 people that were in Masada. Cause... Yeah, they're, they're actually right next to the hard cam. That probably mm-hmm. has something to do with it, too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, it is. I don't want to get into TOD again, but. Um, uh, Matthew Lane um, asked a question on the Facebook page. By the way, we're going to take some more questions. Okay. You guys. Okay. What? What happened? No, we're back. You uh, yeah, like, we're good. cut out for up. a second, and you're back now. You're good. You're gotcha. good. Gotcha. By the way, uh, we're going to do this more often, asking uh, like listener questions. So if you have any questions, go on to Facebook, um, facebook.com slash group slash THC podcast, and I'll usually share or tag it with Jay. So if you're friends with them on Facebook, you can ask it there too. And then yeah. we'll sum it all up and ask it in here. Uh, mm-hmm. Matthew Lane on Facebook asked a question about pro wrestling syndicate and uh, kind of like wrestle pro and, and all that stuff. Um, He's interested, I guess, in, in the new card they got coming out with Nick Gage, New Jack, and Tremont, which uh, God knows if that's going to happen. I asked Tremont, uh, I think it was TOD maybe, and uh, he kind of seemed iffy about it. Like, you know Tremont. He's not going to just come out and be like, yeah, dude, I don't know, probably not going to happen. But he was, I was like, yo, that's like that's happening? Because I saw the thing with Vader and Sabu, and apparently Vader didn't even know he was booked for that show. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I saw that too, brother. I saw that too, man. And I'm like, all right, well. <laughs> <laughs> you saw that, or they contacted you when you're going to be there? I mean, <laughs> you saw that. No, no, so I asked him, I'm like, yo, is that New Jack and Nick Gage match happening? He's like, man, I certainly hope so, as far as I know, brother. As soon as I... <laughs> like, all right, that's not much of a confirmation. That's right. more of a, I hope it happens, you know, so. 
hopefully it does happen, I guess, for whoever's going to that show. But I guess uh, Matthew's, uh, I guess he's new to PWS because he's asking about PWS's past and kind of what happened with PWS and uh, them breaking apart and now coming back and how WrestlePro came about. Um, I know you've had some interactions with Eric and uh, Pat Buck, and I've had my fair share of interactions. I guess both podcasts are uh, disliked by PWS. So <laughs> Yeah, that bitch is fine with me. It's absolutely fine. Uh, yeah. All right, so where do we start, man? I mean, I guess PWS came around, what, like 2010, maybe, something like that? that yeah, I don't even know. Five, uh, when he came around, right? He was, like, one on, on one of the first shows, I think. Um, PWS, if you don't know Eric Tapout, uh, which Tapout is the most fucking ridiculous name to have as a, the promoter. Uh, Especially when you look like that dude. That... <laughs> right. He's no fucking MMA fighter, that's for fucking sure. Yeah, yeah, you're not tapping anybody out. But no. um, I guess to start out with uh, Eric Tapout, he was uh, he was like in the New York music industry. He was like doing you know hardcore punk rock shows and all that stuff. Because uh, apparently, like Kevin Castle knows him. I've, I've heard Kevin Castle mention him on the show before. Um, so I guess that's where he came from was was the music scene, which uh, I guess he got into wrestling. I mean, it's no secret that he's kind of a mark because like he'll post shit that he bought in the '80s and all that. So he's he's a long time. Uh, wrestling fan started pro wrestling syndicate it was kind of like a like a how would you describe pro, pro wrestling syndicate it was a little bit of everything but not not so much in a good way you know uh like a super shindy because they would book like your name talents off of tv but they would book like all the name talents off of tv that they can possibly scoop up and you know it would draw your attention because it was damn near a wrestling convention like a autograph convention because they, they would have, like, fucking ten names that you heard of, like, you know, from either old WCW or guys who were just released from the WWE, old ECW. They threw in so much of, like, those notable names. And it would be like, you know, sometimes the guy would be doing absolutely nothing on the show, but he was there, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, they did that. They threw in your handful of notable indie guys, you know, from the area, you know, whether it be your Sammy Callahans and, and those type of things. Um, and then they did a shitload of like a ticket sellers, you know, where they just had absolute garbage talent and, um, they, they were just fucking selling 20 tickets a piece or whatever their agreement was. And they just took a part of the card. So they'd run like, you know, 12 match cards, 15 match cards. Like they were, they were long shows and, um, yeah, I, I, that's that's the best way I, I guess I could describe them because uh, they would definitely grab your attention one way or another, either from the indie guys you knew or the names you knew, and then just do it however they did it. Yeah, uh, Pro Wrestling Syndicate actually reminds me of like uh, basically a knockoff of USA Pro. That's that's what it was to me because USA Pro would run similar shows, better shows, I would say. USA, I mean, say what you want about Mass Maniac, I'm, I'm not a fan of the guy, but. All His right. cards were better than fucking PWS. Um, so like PWS, like he just said, they would book 12 matches. Mass Maniac would have like fucking 18 matches. His shows would literally run eight hours. <laughs> Get out of that bitch fucking three o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? I've never been to one, but the ones I've seen on the table, I'm like, holy shit, it's fucking nine hours long, dude. Like, I don't need a triple DVD set for this. Like, oh, come on. Yeah, it's a three VHS fucking set for one show. Yeah, one fucking show. So, um, yeah, he would do the same thing. He would basically get a lot of the ticket sellers. If you don't know what a ticket seller is, it's basically guys that aren't 
fully trained yet or don't have much experience and they're basically selling a bunch of tickets because they're local to their families and fucking schools around and all that shit and then they get a spot on the on the show um just to get some experience and, and so forth uh what was the one guy's name that, that was a huge ticket seller that um he was on the indies for a while uh usa pro used to fucking book up all the goddamn time um trying to remember the dude's name i know uh the ecw zombie was one of those guys yeah when they brought him in you remember his name ecw zombie what was his name on the indies tim arson tim arson yeah he um he passed away last year actually mm-hmm. uh, there was another guy I'm, I'm gonna remember his name and all oh helter skelter yeah yeah he was a huge ticket seller horrible fucking worker terrible yeah complete fan you would see him on a shit ton of fucking cards You'd see him on CCW, ICW, fucking USA Pro. Not not sure if he ever did Ring of Honor. I doubt he, they they let him do that. But um, he was on like every show, and he wasn't good. He didn't really have any fans or anything. He was a fucking local guy from Jersey that sold tickets. You know what I mean? And got yeah. And um, PWS, I've went to a couple of their shows. Jay, I think you went to one of their shows, right? What? PWS. Yeah, I think it was one, one to two, but definitely one. Yeah. Um, the only two... No, actually, I'm lying. I went to four shows. Uh, the two shows that I went to, the first ones, was because uh, Extreme Rising, uh, in 2012, they were doing some shows for WrestleMania weekend in, in New York City, and um, obviously Extreme Rising went down, so I was left with fucking booked hotels in New York for WrestleMania weekend, and I'm like, well, fuck, uh, I don't know much about Evolve right now. Evolve was kind of like fucking sold out. CCW was... Every, everybody was pretty much sold out. Um, so the only ones that were left was, was PWS and I think one other company, I forget. It may have been Dragon Gate, actually. I'm not sure. Um, but PWS, they were doing like their, uh, Mania Weekend show. They brought in like Briscoe's against Rock and Roll Express. I was like, eh, that's fucking weird. I'd like to see this. Terrible match, by the way, as you can imagine. Uh, mm. but they had like, uh, Kevin Steen versus Dan Moff. They had Jushin Liger versus John Morrison. So they had a lot of cool matches, but in, in the, in between it, it was like these fucking dudes that I just, I didn't even know what the fuck they are. It just completely killed it for me. You know what I mean? So for me, I can't sit there through a fucking four-hour show when I know it can be cut down to two and be a great show versus force me to sit through two hours of fucking students wrestling. You know what I mean? Right. I've never been a big fan of the PWS product. And uh, let alone, I'm, I'm not a fan of the owner, or previous owner, Eric Tapout. If you don't know much about him, um, he was uh, allegedly... Actually, not even allegedly, because he scammed fucking people I know, so there's not really <laughs> nothing I'm alleging over here, really. Uh, he would sell fake autographs. A ton of people caught him selling fake autographs at these conventions. Uh, and the reason why, I think the guy was actually kind of a, like a genius on the low, you know, because he would book these guys, um, former you know WWF guys that were kind of like desperate almost, you know? Like you would see a Jake Roberts there when he's not getting booked anywhere else. Demolition, guys that yeah. were easy easy to get. And um, he would kind of build this reputation like, oh, look, I got Vince McMahon autographs. Oh, believe me, because look how many people I'm bringing in every time. I have connections, you know what I mean? And every month you'd see those five, six, like, legends, you know, Steamboat, all those guys. Um, but he would be trying to sell, like, the Rock autographs. Uh, Ronda Rousey was selling for $10. Like, come on, dude. Ronda Rousey autographs for $10? You know what I mean? When she's in a prime, the Rock autographs for $10. Vince McMahon for like 10 bucks. Fuck <laughs> yeah, dude. You're not selling Vince McMahon autographs for $10. Dude doesn't even sign autographs. You know what I mean? Um, so a lot of people caught on to this shit. I think uh, Kevin Matthews, Pat Buck, who was, who was a you know, partner of his in business, they started calling him out on this shit, saying that um, 
he basically, you know, overcharges vendors just to make more money. He fucking uh, just, you know, underpays people, whatever the case may have been. There was a ton of shit that they accused him of. So uh, they kind of separated. Pat Buck took WrestlePro, um, took a lot of the PWS guys, a lot of the, you know, Kevin Matthews, uh, Mario Bokra, Dan Moff, all those type of guys. And uh, Tap Out, I guess, sold PWS recently to, to some dudes. I don't even know what the fuck they are. Um, I guess they're up and running again, but it looks like the same PWS to me. I can't say I'm excited about it. Yeah. When I went to PWS, I went for the Great Muda, uh, which was great. Um, you know, we got to see Muda, got his autograph, all of that thing, pictures with him. And then um, on the other side of the experience, um, the guardrail was uh, poles holding a chain and the chain was like super, super baggy. Yeah. There was a woman's purse holding the one pole up in the corner. Meaning, I mean, if someone hit that chain, those poles were going airborne and good luck. It's like a lottery on where they land. Um, the ring entrance almost fell on Coco Beware. Um, there was a hole in the ring under the mat that almost broke Sammy Callahan's ankle during the main event where the great Muda was also as well. Um, they had no ring steps. So I, the guys had all sorts of difficulty getting in the ring. This, these are the things that they ended up having a problem with me having a problem with when I, um, when I reviewed their show and they caught serious feelings to it and, you know, just went on like the verbal attack. So it was what it was. And, and then like a year later, two years later, whatever it was, uh, they started running a GoFundMe to get, ring steps and new guardrails and things that I had previously been complaining about. So <laughs> it's just crazy. They just seemed like they would bring in all these giant fucking names and then you got there and like the, the set was falling apart. <laughs> like what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll never forget. It was actually the, the Necro Butcher retirement show that I went to. It was like a doubleheader, um, mm -hmm. two nights in a row. Um, I guess not a doubleheader, but two nights in a row. Um, it was like Necro Butcher against New Jack, and then they used light tubes, um, which kind of surprised me because it's in Jersey. I, you know, at the time, I thought it was banned, but they did a whole bundle of them. It was a big-ass bundle, too. Uh, and then uh, Davey Richards, Jushin Liger, and John Morrison did a three-way, which was uh, fucking great. But like the rest of the show, man, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't sit through that shit. Shit was killing me. And the audience is terrible, dude. It's like, it's like full of like marks that bring their kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the worst combination of shit you want. Like, super marky fans and then kids on top of that. It's the worst. A lot of title belts, right? Shit load of them. <laughs> Night of Champions, bro. Dude, it was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Yo, I felt so out of place. And I, I took my boy, right? And the guy, you know, he's, he's, from, he's from Queens. He's not like, he's used to like, you know, ICW, like that type of crowd. I mean, fucking, let's, yeah, dude, let's go to PWS. PWS was selling like fucking $10 tickets for uh, people that had tickets to Extreme Rising. So you could exchange your ticket and then they would give you $10 off. Uh, so we were like, all right, well, we have no choice. And by the way, it's not them being nice. They, it was a fucking big ass, you know, gymnasium. They had to fill it. Like they were making money. Get out of here. Um, but so we went and, and it was just the most awkward shit ever, man. There's just fucking 50-year-old dudes with multiple wrestling belts. You know, they had fucking wrestling dolls with them and shit. And I'm like, yo, I don't, this is, this, I'm not used to this, you know. 
That was that was the first like wrestling show that I'd gone to where I I saw those type of people, you know, because for the most part, like Jersey All Pro, like CZW, Extreme Rising, it was like it was like people, some of course some weirdos, but like for for the most part, what I would expect from a wrestling fan, which that's going downhill over the years by a ton, uh, especially the new like wrestling quote unquote new wrestling fans, they're, they're insane. Uh, but yeah, PWS man, I've just never been big on PWS ever, ever. Nah. I will give him that though. He he does have a ton of wrestling memorabilia and stuff. I don't know how much of it is real, how much of it is fake, but dude's got- I would say if you are a fan of like wrestling conventions and the names on the card on the card, fuck like buying someone's autograph that's not there. I mean, like, the names on the car, if you're willing to, you know, go there and more or less treat it like a wrestling convention and get the autographs of the people that are there and pictures with the people who are there, if that's what you're into, do that and then just take the show for what it is on the side, you know what I mean? Pay your entrance like you would in a wrestling convention. That's what I think the PWS is worth overall. That's actually a good way to look at it because, I mean, they – yeah, I mean, you'll see like a Jake Roberts, you'll see a Terry Funk, guys like that, that typically would probably charge like 20 bucks at a convention or 25 bucks, whatever the case is. Sure. Uh, PWS will get it for like 10 bucks, you know? Sure. So, uh, before we leave PWS, because we've talked about it way too long already, yeah. uh, <laughs> more than they ever deserve. But uh, their posters, the one thing that always fucking irritated me about their goddamn posters, sure, everybody on the poster is going to be there. But literally, 80% of the people on the posters are not able to wrestle anymore. They're like fucking 80-year-old wrestlers, you know what I mean? So you don't really know what the card is like based on the poster because half of those guys only come out during intermission, and uh, they're there for 10 minutes and leave. So you don't even yeah. know like, who's wrestling, really. Well, I think that's, that's part of like a, like a draw, like a bait-and-switch kind of deal where it's like, what will happen? You'll have to show up to find out, you know, like. I think that's part of it. It's just like Kurt Angle's wrestling. Like, no, Kurt Angle's gonna sign autographs, and right. you show up and he's in fucking sweatpants, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm not not big on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's you know, business wise, it's not a bad deal for them. It just sucks for a fan that thinks they're seeing uh, you know Booker T wrestle that night. Uh, all right. Next question is from uh, Anthony. Uh, he wants to know. During their prime, which did you prefer, CCW or IWA? Um, I guess, like, take you, like, kind of being, like, biased since you've gone to, you know, CCW shows in person. Try to take that out of it, and, and which would you think is the better product overall? Yeah, for me, it's impossible because I am so biased to CCW. I saw all that shit live. Obviously, when you're talking about, um, you know, IWA and his prime, is that, you know, 2003 Ted Petty Invitational um, you know, fucking Samoa Joe and Roderick Strong in the first round, like CM Punk on commentary for that match. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I mean, this shit was, the roster was insane. You had Brian Danielson, uh, you know, on the card, Daniel Bryan, whatever you want. Um, I mean, just, just insane. I mean, absolutely insane. The talent they created, the guys who came through there first, you just you can't you can't question how unbelievable that roster was at different points. Again, for me, I was there fucking front row for over ten years at CZW, and I saw a lot of shit develop there too. So, I mean, it's it's hard for me because the experience for me was live. It was just shock and awe. They never 
stop fucking topping themselves and just you know you'd go and you'd think i saw the craziest shit ever and then they'd pull some more crazy shit out and for me to sit there front row and see that i mean there's no wrestling experience that i've ever had better than that czw in its best time while i was attending is my favorite thing i've ever seen in wrestling and of course you know you can find the you know masawa kawadas and and that type of stuff that obviously far better wrestling matches but when it comes down to it, that was just my fondest experience of wrestling. Now, all right, since since you are biased with uh, CZW, um, yeah. what would you say was your favorite year attending CZW? Um, I'd have to say probably 2002 because 2001 was awesome, but it really got you ramped up and it, it introduced me to a whole bunch of different characters. And when they entered the fucking arena in 2002, now the fucking handcuffs were off. The chains were off. They could do whatever they want for the first time ever. CZW didn't have to travel to Delaware. They didn't have to deal with state athletic commissions in Jersey. You know, they were doing like the light tubes indoors. And then Whitman and, you know, the state athletic commission in Jersey said, you can't do it. So then they did. They said it couldn't be done and just moved the shit outside and did 200 light tubes outside. Because Jersey told them they couldn't do it inside. So, uh, you know, that was in 2000 before I showed up. But by the time I showed up in 2001, they weren't allowed to do light tubes anymore. They had to take that type of stuff out to Delaware. So that's when, you know, they started with the Delaware shows and launched the Tournament of Death and all of that stuff. But um, 2002, it just exploded. And, they you know, they started bringing in messiah and they started bringing in all the different guys and um they really just started turning shit up and yeah i mean there's different years i could look at that were just amazing but that 2002 they really they started doing shit that ecw never did you know they they worked off the blueprint of what ecw did and in my opinion topped it because again i'm biased to what I saw firsthand. I didn't see ECW firsthand. I saw a lot of TV ECW stuff, but I wasn't able to make it to shows the way a lot of people were. So, um, you know, Deja Vu was Deja Vu of Funk and uh, Sabu. And Lobo and Zandig in 2002 put on my favorite Nova Barbed Wire match of all time. Yeah. So, you know, that, that year for me was just fucking incredible. Yeah. Um because I, I know there's obviously people that listen to this show that aren't familiar with CZW. Um, I can just look in the chat room and see that there's a couple people that aren't really CZW followers. Um, any matches that, that come to mind from 2002 that you would recommend them check out if they've not I, seen it before? I mean, if you like Justice Payne, or Nick Gage, I should say, if you like uh, Nick Gage, watch his, his feuds with his brother in 2002. You know, with Justice Payne. I mean... You know, people to say, oh, Nick, Nick could really wrestle and stuff. You'd see him, you know, two out of three falls match. I want to say that was 2002. Two out of three falls match with his brother. Eh, fucking insanity. Um, you know, obviously the Zandig Lobo stuff from 2002 was just great. Um, you know, and that, that built to that whole year built into probably the best one-on-one cage of death match ever yeah. was Zandig Lobo cage of death Four, 
Um, and you just watch that year like build into that. They told great fucking stories. A lot of people will tell you revisionist history of CZW where all they did was light tubes and now we focused on story. You don't focus on storylines. The storylines now are retarded. They fall apart after two months and you guys act like they never happened. Back then there was actual investment in it and you know you had real shit going on. I mean, you know, in the matches back then, you had, you know, Hate Club versus Backseat Boys. You had the Briscoe Brothers at, fuck, like, 18, 19 years old. I mean, it was insane, the stuff they were doing back then. You had the SAT in there and, um, you know, with Divine Storm on the other side of the ring, just tearing it up and, and crazy innovative stuff that, you know, now you see all the time. But back then, that shit was fresh. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think as far as me, I, I would probably say CZW as well, just for the simple fact that, sure, IWA probably had bigger talent, you know, come through. Um, you look at guys, you know, like you said, CM Punk, AJ Styles was another guy that oh, did yeah. a ton of shit in fucking, you know, IWA. Similar with Joe, low-key, although low-key was a Northeast guy, but, you know, he did his fair share over there. Um, Necro Butcher, I mean, you look at fucking Claudio, Chris Hero, all those guys, um, came through IWA. So sure, IWA, I think, probably put out more talent as far as like guys you see on television right now. Um, but with CZW, I was more invested in the roster because it was a lot of the guys that I would see in Jersey All-Pro. So like, I, I loved SAT, Amazing Red, you know, I loved like, you know, All Money is Legal. And, and for a lot of the times, like when I would look at an IWA card, I wouldn't know half the people on the roster. You know what I mean? It was a lot of local uh, down south guys that I wasn't too familiar with. Um, but yeah, so overall, I, w- I would probably say CZW as well. And um, not only that, the environment of, of IWA I never really liked, like the soup, you know, like the flea markets and shit like that. I was, I wasn't into it. Uh, visually, like I have to, I have to be, you know, wanting to see more of this shit, not just like a good match. I'm not one of those guys that can just like look at a fucking great match on the trampoline and be like, oh, that was that that was good shit. You know, like nah, mm-hmm. CZW, like it was at the arena, that shit looked dope. You know. And even when they were traveling in Jersey and Delaware and stuff like that, like, sure, like, those days, they kind of had to, but they were in the arena for years, you know what I mean? Right. And, um, I don't know, I just appreciated CZW more overall. The thing, too, is, um, as far as 2002 goes, you know, and I'll, I'll, you know, broaden it beyond just being CZW. CZW went and made such an impact on the Philly scene that, Rob Feinstein launched Ring of Honor that very same year right up the fucking road at the Murphy Rec Center and started tearing the fucking landscape apart. John Zandig being the guy that he was was not just going to lay down and let Feinstein fucking run the show. So they were just killing it every month, doing everything they can to just break fucking barriers and make shit that you've never seen before happen. And up the road, you had fucking rf doing the same type of stuff you know fucking low-key uh, daniel bryan and xavier in a three-way main event like unbelievable the hit squad killing shit homicide i mean you name it they were doing insane shit right up the road so the the competition was as good as it's ever been and um i mean it, it just created such a great i mean it it solidified the east coast being the wrestling capital that's become. Yeah. Um, now with, with, you know, we, we briefly touched on this. Um, I'm actually kind of interested in this and you probably have a lot more information on this. So if you want to go ahead and, uh, enlighten the people on this one, but, uh, 
you know, like Jersey obviously was doing light tubes before it got banned. Uh, what kind of led to that whole thing of of light tubes being driven out of Jersey and into into Philly? I know Jersey All Pro and CCW both had issues, but what came first? Was there like an actual situation that happened? Who was really to blame for that? I'm trying to remember exactly, you know, who or what, because I know I've heard the story from Fat Frank's side. I've heard the story from John Zandig's side, and they both kind of blame each other. Um, Zandig says that, you know, when it came down to the court date, um, he showed up, Frank showed up, and um, Zandig didn't really get a chance to say anything because Frank went up there and kind of had this, you know, if you don't like it, go fuck yourself attitude, which, you know... Um, according to Zandig, kind of burned the bridge for any kind of legitimate discussion that was to be had. But um, I mean, I know as well as anybody, uh, you know, Zandig was just as stubborn, if not more stubborn, than Frank ever was. So I don't think either one of them were going to play nice with the state, and it was going to continue to happen. It's just you know enough eyeballs get on that type of thing, and you know it's shocking Oz the the fans i mean we as fans go and see this and go holy shit that's the craziest thing ever now imagine just your casual non-wrestling citizen you know sees this and goes yeah that shouldn't be happening there's no way that they're gonna go uh, okay well if they're gonna jump off the roof into panes of glass in a bed of a pickup truck that that's fine with me right they're setting things on fire in trucks and leaping off of buildings as long as it's making them happy. That, that's not the way the majority of you know, society is going to view it. So and the, my same thing as I said about GCW, and it has nothing to do with me not liking the, the management, is it, their clock is going to run out. Eventually it's going to, you know, it's on fucking Route 9. The joint <laughs> Game Changer World is on Route 9. It's one of the busiest highways in New Jersey. And it's like, you know, they're doing over-the-top razor boards, fucking this, that. And look, it's fine. Great for the deathmatch wrestling fans. But eventually, the wrong eyes are going to see it, and it's not going to be okay to do. So, you know, enjoy it while it lasts. But that's that's kind of the way of the deathmatch, you know? I mean, uh, Carnage Cup, as dumb as they are, they, they just do, like, run and gun, as I think they call that in Hollywood, when they just, like, shoot a scene somewhere and then bounce rather than get permits. Um, You know, that's, that's kind of what they do. They run like one and done with a venue and next year we'll find somewhere else to do it real quick. And, you know, now they're in the middle of the woods, but um, you know, that's kind of the way a lot of these uh, feds are doing. I mean, Ian has to switch venues every other year. Uh, They just lost their venue that they ran in this year already. And um, now they're, they're looking for another spot for double death match tournament and um you know i mean it's just you're not going to find too many places where it stays fully legal and welcome to do tremendous amount of bloodletting so i mean you could blame this one there's always going to be fingers pointed but i mean let's back up and just look at it like normal citizens for a second and go yeah that's probably not welcome in anybody's neighborhood you know it's the the town committee isn't going to get together and like all right we're having a bake sale at the firehouse oh they're doing a bloodletting down at the uh, vfw on the 12th uh you know like that's it's not just going to be welcomed i mean you know this this deathmatch thing is not for everyone and the people it's not for it's probably going to get pretty riled up yeah that's not for normal people for the most part right 
Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> I think it was actually interesting that, you know, Zandig basically admitted it himself. I think we, we touched on this uh, last week that, you know, he was basically saying, hey, like, enjoy while you can. The time is going to run out. Like He knows the deal. He's been around this shit for long enough. He knows the fucking deal. It's not a matter of haters or this or that. It's just it's a natural progression of doing shit that you probably shouldn't be doing to begin with, you know. I hope they stick around for uh, for a long time because uh, um, I'm definitely digging the shows. But um, sure, CZW definitely uh, definitely did more violence than Jersey All Pro. I think that's that's definitely fair to say because Jersey All Pro, even though they use light tubes, they didn't use them like CZW. You know what I mean? It was uh, they were doing a lot of heavy blade job shit though, like really really bleeding. Yeah, they would do a lot of crazy shit with like you know no rope barbed wire matches early on. With fire and Louis, yeah, fire was one thing they did a lot. But uh, all their tube spots with like Louis and Frank and uh, you know um, who else was doing them at the time? What was that? um the ball dude? Something J. Oh, J Lover. J Lover. There you go. Yeah, him and Louis, yeah. a bunch of those spots. And um, it was nothing like nothing like CZW. You know, you never saw guys go through fucking like three stack tables for light tubes and shit. Well, I mean, not for nothing. CZW was doing more deathmatch wrestling, where it was wrestling matches, you know, with hardcore ultra violent elements in it. Yeah. Jersey Allpro was doing a lot more of that, as Zandig called it, hack and slash, and uh, you know, where it was just cutting and you know, hit a guy with something. But, uh, it, you know, you didn't see as many, you know, big spots that were actually done. Kind of like, like what, you know, Ian and Axel and those guys kind of did. You know? Yeah, back then. I mean, and there was that, that type of deathmatch wrestling, that hardcore wrestling. It wasn't even deathmatches then. It was called hardcore. And, you know, what Balls would do and Axel would do. And, yeah, I mean, that was, that was a big part of, like, what ECW was doing. So, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with it as far as that's not really for me. But the same way that, like, you know, Abdul the Butcher, you know, yeah. got over with you and so many other people. He did a certain thing, and there was a lot of bleeding, there was a lot of violence, but it wasn't exactly, you know, sick Nick Mondo. Right. I think with Abby, for me, was uh, his appearance, for the most part. I know, you like the, you like the weight gain. Yeah, I like the fat uh, fat bleeders, man. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, man, as a kid, he just scared the fuck out of me, you know? He just it crazy as shit. You love uh, deathmatch, carb-loving wrestlers. Yeah, dude. Eat all, the, eat all the potato chips you can and take as much aspirin as you can before your match. While you blade, you'll fucking gush out. And Wife Beater would actually walk to the ring with potato chips, and still Abby's the one that did it for you. Good. That is true. Uh, I think another thing that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, that had something to do with this whole thing going crazy was uh, Louis Ramos going on, like, NBC10 or something and, uh, <laughs> like, stapling himself later. Very, very possible. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, dude, it's on it's on YouTube. This guy fucking like sleeps himself on like NBC. Yeah, that's not a good idea. <laughs> what the fuck, man? You guys are going to court. Why are you doing this? But uh, that shit was always fucking hilarious to me. Um, another little uh, throwback thing, uh, and this this will be a short one. Um, when Eddie Guerrero passed away, uh, there was a guy, a lot of people he influenced that were uh, on the CZ or W the roster at the time, like you know SAT, Amazing Red. Um, XL, I'm sure guys like Eddie Kingston, Homicide, you know, so forth. Um, there was a show when uh, he passed away. They did the, you know, 10-bell salute for him. And, uh, of course, I'm, you know, 99.9% of the people are fucking respectful. There had to be that one dickhead that uh, came out and said, fuck Guerrero or fuck Eddie. And um, I remember Eddie Kingston got real fucking pissed. 
Yeah. You can see, like, Ruckus, you know, he was quiet, but he was just shaking his head. I'm pretty sure what he said, it wasn't even, like, fuck Eddie or anything. And he, he was trying to be cool. And, like, in the middle of the silence, just went, fuck that. Yeah. And that, that was it. Like, everybody was like, kill this motherfucker on site. <laughs> like, that was, like, I, the wrestlers would have 100% been down with just, like, almost killing that guy that night. Um, but, yeah, they, they fucking ejected him out. And uh, that was good. That's You know, that's a 10-bell to start the fucking show. So that guy paid. He didn't get to see a motherfucking thing. Um, you know. But... You know, I mean, fans are fucking assholes. What, what can I tell you? But, uh, yeah, Zandig, I think, went on the mic and, you know, he said, he said, refund that asshole and, you know, kick him the fuck out. And yeah. security, man, they fucking just dragged this dude out, you know, right over the fucking guardrail, <laughs> dragged the shit out of him. Well, he was in the bleachers, but, yeah, yeah. down the bleachers. Yeah, yeah, And then, uh, fucking, uh, he was, he was close, he was fairly close to the ring, wasn't he? Nah. Nice. Nah, because I was fucking ringside. Uh, it was first row, and he was up in a bleacher. So I think the uh, security had to go over the guardrail to go get him because they were inside the rails, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they, they went and they drug him out, out of bleachers and, and whatnot. You know, and, and the thing is, is, you know, it's completely disrespectful. But, I mean, the way that the Philly crowd was, it it's so encouraged so much just fucking madness that I can understand some of these animals not even knowing, like, where to draw the line. I'm not justifying anything that the fucking dude did, but, like, these shows, like, shit has gotten so tame and so PC now. You know, you got, you know, guys like, you know, David Starr taking these PC stands on what fans say and what's offensive and this and that. Like, these guys would yell Trent's a faggot for the entire time that Trent Acid was out there. Yeah. And Trent's got herpes. Uh, uh, Johnny sucks dick. Fucking, but Trent's a faggot was probably the number one fucking chant when Trent Acid was out there. You know? And that was just that was fucking okay. You know, anytime there was a chick it was she's got herpes and you know, all of that type of shit. So, you know, I I mean, when guys show, there was people that just showed up to yell shit. I mean, I was they didn't give a fuck how the matches went. They were like, I cannot wait to degrade motherfuckers in the ring. So, you know, you get some of those people, and then you try to keep them quiet for a respectful ten bell. I mean, it's not going to happen. These people should be locked up, let alone at ten shows. Yeah, I think uh, the one guy that really stood out to me was was Eddie Kingston during this shit. If you go back and watch the fucking the footage. Oh yeah, Instantly. he was the one guy that was about to lose his shit, man. Everybody else just, you know, just kept their eyes closed and just like kind of waited. He just, <laughs> you could tell, man, this motherfucker was counting down, and uh, he went out to go get him, and you know, obviously the security stopped him. Yeah, yeah, he's a passionate dude, so you know, yeah. if he doesn't like that shit, he's gonna let you know. Absolutely. Um, let me ask you this one. Uh, you mentioned one of your favorite barbed bar wire matches being, you know, obviously Lobo. And Zande at Deja Vu. I think it was Deja Vu 2, right? Or was it nah, Deja Vu 1. Yeah. What was the second one? Was it second one was, uh, I think they took like a year off because it wasn't like a yearly event until fucking DJ took over. But um, it's the second one was a Taipei Deathmatch with, um, I think, Zandig and Ian. Okay. Yeah. But it was supposed to, you know, again, Deja Vu, and it was supposed to be Deja Vu of the Taipei, actually Ian. 
yo, do you remember, uh... They would always try to deja vu something that happened previously, not just name a fucking show that and do some dumb shit again. Yeah. Well, I think deja vu now is basically just like a normal barbed wire match. That's pretty much what they do. Yeah, but that wasn't even like the... the that was how it started, but that wasn't like their annual no row bar wire. Yeah, it's not deja vu times ten, you know. Just right, same deja vu every year. Um, one guy, dude, I what the fuck? Did you call it amnesia now because you forgot you did that same fucking thing last year. Yeah, Alzheimer's man. Yeah, yo, you remember the and speaking of another guy that that was always terrible to me. I don't know. I hope you weren't a fan of this guy. Uh, he's been around since ECW days. This motherfucker's been around forever. Glenn Osborne, one of the best <laughs> yeah. workers I've ever seen in my life. I never understood him. He came in and it was like, who's this fat Nate Hatred that they brought in? <laughs> because I was like, yeah, this is pretty much the same face paint. And you're like, when the fuck did Nate Hatred gain all that weight? Right. Uh, it was just, it was, yeah, it was silly. I, I never knew the under, uh, the reason behind that. I think that was like an interpromotional handshake. From what I hear, um, that like you know he had some inner workings with another Fed that they were working with, and you know a lot of that goes on as far as the handshaking. Uh, you know, you book our guys, we'll book your guys type thing. Yeah. And I I think that was what was going on with him. I could be wrong though. Um, but what were you saying about an overpower bar? Or was this all leading to Glenn Osborne? No, no, no. Glenn Osborne <laughs> was just a little side note. Uh, I'll, I'll get back to the barbed wire in a second. But uh, okay, Glenn Osborne. I mean, this guy. I think he was active almost like two years ago. Shit. Yeah, dude. At like uh, EC. They know he was still yeah. alive, let alone. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm guessing Nate Hatred probably he stole the gimmick from him because Glenn Osborne was doing this in like 1990. Yeah, I'm no, I'm sure Nate Hatred didn't come first, but as far as CZW went, like I knew him first. You know. Yeah. That was just always weird to me that uh, like Nate Hatred, unless he's like related to the guy or something. I don't see the reason to steal this guy's gimmick because he literally dressed exactly the same like same face paint same exact thing uh just an updated you know much better version because glenn was he was terrible yeah uh, I, I never understood that because he's, he's not a great wrestler he was never he never made it to the you know big time so i don't really see you know making a gimmick out of him but uh no rope barbed wire any other uh no rope barbed wire matches that stick out to you just off the top of that. So many. I mean, Nick Mondo and Nick Gage in fucking Delaware. It, it was fucking raining. I wasn't there live for that one, but I I saw it like you know weeks after it happened or a month after it happened on VHS. Um, oh man, I forget the name of the show, but um, it was fucking raining, and they they still managed like fire spots and all sorts of shit. Like it was, it was fucking sick. I mean, and they they tore it the fuck up in that one. Um. J.C. Bailey, Necro Butcher was another crazy. That was like the ultra-violent underground deal. Um, trying to think. Man, there were so many really good ones. I think um, uh, the, the only time we had uh, Signic Mondo on was like two years ago. And mm-hmm. one, the one time he said he hated doing a spot was obviously, you know, the time he didn't feel comfortable with Zandig. And I think the other time he mentioned was this this match because they, they didn't want to do all the spots in the rain. Yeah. So, and they still stepped up and, and did such amazing shit. Yeah. But uh, any recent ones that you would put up there? I I mean, I've grown to really not like no bar wire matches anymore because it's it's very limited. Like, you really handcuff yourself quite a bit. Um, oh, man, I'm trying to think of something that stand out. 
Why do you um, think? I thought it was interesting that at TOD, uh, they actually did not use the barbed wire at all. Did you notice that? Like, not even one spot. No. to do with the barbed wire. It no. was all light tubes. And I guess they had to end it early because I guess, I don't know. I'm guessing he got hurt because they threw the X up. Mm. Uh, they had to wrap it up fast because if you notice, it wasn't a, it wasn't a long main event. But Right. The, um, the no rope barbed wire has a cool look to it. I always like the visual of it because, you know, no ropes, the fucking barbed wire strung exactly what it says. But um, it fucking looks really cool, like, for a death match. But if that's, like, your main stipulation... I think there's a real limit to what, you know, the Irish whip into the ropes. All right. I mean, you know, when I saw Lobo do it years ago and the fucking top rope gave out and he hung by his legs off the thing. I mean, that's what more can you do than that? Or Sabu. I mean, he fucking had his biceps hanging out doing the same shit, basically. Yeah. And Zandig had his fucking tendons hanging out of his arm on that shit. Yeah. You know, it, it so mimicked, you know, what was going on in that and. According to Zandig, he didn't even see that match until after the fucking, after that shit altogether. He never even saw the this, this Sabu Funk match. That's great. Yeah. But uh, you got any other topics you want to wanna do other than the ones that we've gone over? Anything? Uh, I don't know. Uh, there's, no, there's nothing else you got up there? No. I mean, we did, a, we did an hour. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I think that's about it. Um. I didn't really have much on my mind. I uh, ran a fucking race on Saturday, and I'm still kind of burnt out from it. Yeah, I bet, man. Uh, yeah, all that frog shit you're doing is fucking wild, dude. Frog shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, yo, uh, no real barbed wire matches. Before we leave, I, I want to say this real quick, because the visual has always attracted me. That's, that's like, the original death match that I saw. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I, I fucking instantly just fell in love with it. But... To me, when they're lazy with it and they just do, like, the three ropes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, back in the day, they would, like, tangle them up, especially in Japan. Like, they would, mm. they would really take their time and make that, you know, create that fucking visual that would just draw you in. Like, wow, what the fuck? What is going on? With uh, Nowadays, they just, they just take the ropes down and they just put three on each side and, you know, they call it a day. Um, have you noticed that change over the years and does it kind of ruin it for you at all? Cause it, it certainly does it for me. A lot of the way, a lot of times they really do take the cheap way out on a lot of shit. And, um, I don't know. Like I, there was, there was a point with CZW too, where I felt like they were dulling it down with the ultra violence where they would do like a no rope barbed wire, but you see that the barbs weren't quite what they used to be. And, uh, I've seen some feds do that. I, I, I don't really, uh, I don't remember what the exact period was, but. Yeah, they they dulled it down a little bit. Like the it seemed like they snipped off some of the barbs or something. But it, when you saw like the um, the original wife beater retirement match, both of them were insane. The original one in Delaware, I went to, and it was like not a lot of people. And I think that was a good portion of why they decided to do it again in the arena. And um, I got a piece of that barbed wire from the Delaware show right above my mirror above my bed over here and it this shit is just ungodly fucking sharp like it, there's no fucking give to it it that thing will fucking shred you and you know that's what you can clearly see laced up around the fucking ring there's different gauges of barbed wire too you know what i mean like when you go to i guess buy barbed wire for your farm you can go to cheap way out or you can get the expensive shit that's not going to fucking give 
And that's what they were using a lot of times. And that shit will fucking shred you. I mean, there's there's no maybes about it. So I guess maybe different size cattle. I don't know what they're trying to contain. But um, <laughs> it uh, yeah, it makes a big difference. And, you know, like the, the Zandig wife beater in Delaware, they were doing shit that, you know, those are two big guys. Right. They were doing like a spot, I guess you'd call it, where they locked up and the one guy would push each other push the other guy all the way to the barbed wire ropes and press the other guys back against the the um the wire and there were tubes lined up all the way down so hard that it would bust the tube against the wire and then like they'd kind of roll where the other guy would get control and roll him onto the rope the barbed wire and bust the fucking tube on his back you know without slamming him just pressing into the wire on the tube yeah and you'd see a like fucking buckle under the weight you know not the wire wasn't given where those guys were falling down but it was going to snap those tubes and it, it was a really cool visual that way and you could see how fucking brutal it was because you could see the the bars pushing into them and shit yeah yeah nutty stuff yeah i think it's definitely changed over the years because um i mean you saw the connor claxton match with the trampoline with the barbed wire um yeah dude realistically if you're falling from a truck and you're falling into a bed of barbed wire you're going to get caught up in that a little bit, you know? He, the way he bounced off. I mean, look, I, I I saw the barbs all over that shit. I mean, there was nothing safe about that. I mean, I, maybe they, it wasn't the, the heavy, heavy grade barbed wire. I don't know. But all I know is that's, that spot was fucking crazy. Absolutely crazy. Because it was so fucking heavily laced and you saw the barbs all over that. There was no way to avoid getting fucked up. And the fact that his body came up off of that means anything that stuck, cut, and fucking, it had no choice but to let loose. Because they tied those things to the springs, which was the smartest thing they ever did. Because, you know, you could tie it to the frame and it's not going to do much. It's not going to give much. It's going to kind of just catch the guy. But because they tied it to the springs, it gave no choice but to that shit to shoot them back up. So whatever skin it grabbed had had to fucking rip yeah, that that was brutal, man. I I'd love to see like a real like slow mo fucking like they used to. I don't know if they're still doing that because now we're seeing like the rough cuts on the VOD and shit. I'm not really like a DVD buying guy like I used to, but one of the coolest things of the uh, old Smart Mark video TOD matches and uh, King of the Death was the slow motion fucking killer spots. Yeah. They didn't even have the audio, and you're like, it was, it was like the you hear fans like, holy shit, you know. But uh, but the visual, seeing like the actual shit catch and break, and you know, you'd see like the cuts happening. That that's cool, and I really think uh, they should really bring that back if they're not doing it. Because again, they've they've gone away from Smart Mark. So now it's kind of up to them to keep that tradition going. And, and I don't know that they have. I know, um, obviously, you know, with the high def, you're going to see a lot more really, really cool shit if you're able to slow it down on the replays. So I'm wondering if they do that on the final cuts, because I really don't go back and, and repurchase the uh, you know DVD quality one after I've watched the rough cut. I'm, I'm kind of like watching shows once at very most. I'm watching most of everything. Not at all. So, um, if I do watch it once, that's gonna be it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, what was cool about Smart Mark was they would also do it from, like, five different angles. Yeah. 
Like they would, <laughs> you would see the same spot from so many different angles. Um, mm-hmm. And they've kind of shied away from that, from what I can recall. Um, Everyone's shied away from Smart Mark, from what I've seen. Yeah, I mean they're still they, they still distribute them, but you know I don't I don't know if they're still shooting them. I don't think they are actually because. You know, like, usually Gary, he's the one that, that shoots the shit for, like, GCW and Jersey All-Pro and all that. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I don't see them on CCW shows. So. It's a shame. They really did the best work as far as the, you know, death matching. They really don't give a credit. Indies overall, they really don't get enough credit as far as their contribution to really helping the distribution of indie wrestling as a whole. Like, I, I would have never seen IWA at all if it wasn't for Smart Mark Video. I mean, their coverage on that was crazy. And, I mean, this was the tape days. So those guys were fucking driving down there like the workers were with their fucking rigs. And then the next week they were at CZW and had those fucking tapes ready. Sometimes two, three weeks later they'd have the tapes ready at CZW to sell. That You know, they had to get that shit edited and all on VHS. I mean, they did tremendous things for getting exposure to the indies because it, it wouldn't have traveled the country the way it did without Smart Mark Video. No, I definitely 100% agree. I mean, even now, they still they still travel a shit ton, you know? Mm-hmm. So, a whole lot of dedication from those guys. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on that uh, we kind of did, but we kind of didn't. I mean, you got into CZW, your favorite year being uh, 2002. But uh, you actually recommended this topic. You wanted to get into this. Uh, your favorite era during the Indies and, like, you know, what stood out to you, I guess, if you want to get into that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's that early 2000s. That's the same thing I said because when it comes down to it, like I said, the 2002 CZW on fucking fire in the arena and then Ring of Honor coming out the gates like, fuck you. Uh, this is what we're going to do. Jersey All-Pro still doing shit. Yeah, I mean, it just shit was blowing the fuck up. You know, so that that's that's the era. I mean, is the, is the early two thousands, in my opinion, is is as good as it gets. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I guess two thousand two, two thousand three is probably the best because uh, we had the most competition. You know, mm-hmm. everybody was trying to do their best. Uh, you know, XPW was out by the time, so there was a lot of more people doing you know arena shows that were actually. You know, wanting to be there and not just like fucking take over and kick everybody out. Right. Yeah, I think 2002, 2003 would probably be the same for me. And uh, also being a fan of, you know, ECW, a lot of those guys were still around. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're still doing like USA Pro. They were still doing a ton of Jersey All Pro. ICW was still around. Um, ton of great shit, man. I mean, you talk about SAT, you know, just fucking absolutely killing it. Homicide and low key. Um, you know, this is this is when you still had AJ Styles at the fucking Elks Lodge all the time. You know what I mean? Him and uh, Xavier. I'll never forget that fucking match at ICW, man. They fucking tore that place down. Yeah. You'd still have guys like Bam Bam Bigelow. Chris Candido was still killing shit. Yeah. I mean, you go back and watch, like, the old fucking low-key versus Amazing Red. And uh, I think it was a round-robin challenge match. Like, fucking shit, man. Like... That was like they said back then. It was like a kung fu flick, just full sprint. These two doing just insane sequences that they're still just trying to, you know, live up to to this day. A lot of people are doing the crazy, you know, super fast paced sprint matches and stuff. But back then, those guys were doing it. It was unheard of. 
it was unheard of to, to move at that pace and, you know, get it all right. You know, you saw a lot of people trying to do it and weren't getting it right, and it shit just looked sloppy. But, man, one one off move in that match would have looked like absolute garbage. And it was fucking on point, precise. And look at what Amazing Red did to just completely innovate what the indies turned into as far as high flying and stuff. He was doing stuff that was unheard of. And that's that's what the indies brought to the table in 2000, early 2000s. The deathmatch stuff they were bringing with what, you know, Ian was doing with King of the Death and what CZW was doing with Tournament of Death. I mean, it just, it revolutionized everything that the indies became. And now everybody's trying to go back to that era and kind of reclaim that spotlight. Yeah, I think... uh Another thing worth mentioning from, you know, me personally is, you know, just the fact that I, I stopped watching, you know, WWF, WWE, whatever you want to call it, right at 2002, 2001, just because, you know, ECW was, was like, I was never as much of a CCW guy as I was ECW. Like, ECW was like my, my teenage years, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I love that shit. Um, I was so invested into it that I've never been invested in anything more than ECW. Like, that shit, you know, I'll, I'll never forget it. Kind of like how you cherish CCW, you know, like, mm-hmm. ECW for me. And I was like proud because you know I'm from South Philly. I'm like, yo, that's my backyard. Like that, that's that's us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, also on television, I had that Philly pride, and I fucking love that shit. And you know, being 16 years, you know, old and shit, uh, that's multiplied by a thousand. You know what I mean? As far as exaggeration, as far as you know, you got all the testosterone going on there. Yes, South Philly. You know, we're fucking killing it out here. Um, I love that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, and I think like 2002, like when when that when that had died, um. I kind of lost hope because, you know, when it first died out, I was like, oh, they're going to come back. Like, so a new company's going to come out. Uh, hey, yeah. let's buy something else. I still had hope. I still wanted to believe. And 2002 was right around when I was like, all right, well, that, that shit's dead. I, I see it on WWE now. It's, it's, that shit's dead. You know, yeah. Heyman's on WWE TV. So I was looking for something else, and I was already familiar with CCW, but I, I kind of discovered all these other indies all over again because I knew, like, Jersey All Pro existed, but I, I never followed it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, like, with that, I was like, all right, well, let me let me look at different outlets um, to kind of, you know, get my dose of wrestling other than WWE. And, uh, yeah, right around Ring of Honor and all that stuff. That, that was that was the shit back then. But. Yeah, I, under, I understand the uh, the fondness of ECW and all the people. I, I understand why everyone fell in love with that 100%. I mean, you look at the talent that came through ECW. It's incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible. And for that to be more or less a glorified indie company i mean yeah they got their little pay-per-view thing and they got their little tv deals but it was a glorified indie company they were running elks halls and you know shit that indies are doing now you know the hammerstein and the ecw arena it's it's you know it's still indie level stuff uh, ecw's never looked at that way but realistically that's kind of what they were and um they did it at such a high level and they, they brought up such stars that became, you know, fucking millionaires and incredible stuff. I mean, to watch that firsthand must have been just amazing. I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, amongst that group that, that got that. I didn't have the transportation for that type of shit. I was hanging out with people that weren't quite down with wrestling enough to travel that far. I was living in North Jersey and, uh, you know, when it was really going on and I was, on some old completely other shit you know not really uh locked into wrestling or you know hey we need to really get out there it was like yeah all right whatever we'll catch a pay-per-view if it's on that was about it but um yeah i could definitely understand that again to me when i had the opportunity to really attend and and get involved was was the czw thing so i i get it 
and you're always going to have fondness towards whatever you were able to really immerse yourself in and uh you know to each their own i, I think um what ecw had i i don't think it's something you can recreate ever you know nah. it's it's not something that and there's it's sad to say because there's still people that have that hope you know what i mean like Dude, when Extreme Rising came out, I went to every fucking show, man. And people legitimately were like, yo, like, this shit's coming back. It's like, mm-hmm. eh. Do you see Raven? Like, come on, bro. Like, this is not coming back. It's 2012. But, right. But the, the, the rehashing thing, that that has definitely uh, turned me against the ECW uh, folklore. Because although I understand that and everything I just said is completely true... Anytime that they drag the Sandman out of wherever the fuck he's been and, and Raven, who, who looks not even human anymore, and, and they, they they drag all the just incredible and all this shit, and they, they want to do a reunion, that's horrible. When you look at, I mean, as far as recreating what, C, what ECW did, I mean, what CZW did is in its own right equal, in my opinion, because they did bring up stars who are now on television and now making a ton of money. They did, you know, innovate and do things that weren't done before. IWA, same deal. Um, Jersey All-Pro, Ring of Honor. I mean, those guys really did big shit and and had a large enough run on the indies that you can say, hey, like, I mean, CCW ran more shows in that arena than ECW ever did. Sure. So, I, I mean... Again, I, I think it, it comes back to the you know the eye of the uh, beholder or whatever you want to call it, uh, you know whoever was actually uh, you know seeing seeing it and stuff. And of course, you go back and you see the Jerichos and you see the you know Stone Cold Steve Austin, all the people who came through ECW. There's no matching that, but it's it's different eras and different people who have you know come up to what it what it is now. I, you know what the wwe is now or what the wwf was then because again like cm punk you know love him or hate him he really rose to be one of the biggest stars of all time i mean i don't know who else's name they're still chanting several years after he left the company you don't find too many people like that so in his own right i mean iwa is produced stars the level that ecw did you know Right. I, I think for me, what sets ECW apart from all the other companies is some of my favorite wrestlers like like were there. You know what I mean? Like legendary people. Like no other company really had that. Like Terry Funk was 100% an ECW guy for a long time. Cactus Jack, you know what I mean? Sabu. Um, no com- Like Jersey All Pro, CZW, those companies never had legends like actually there for years to establish that name. And I, just, they just... They put on some fucking dream matches that I, I always wanted to see, you know, like Sabu and Cactus. That was big for me, man. Like, I didn't see it, you know, while it happened. But um, I remember, like, 96 when I first came to the to the U.S., 96, early 97. Um, that's, like, one of the first things I discovered was, like, you know, Cactus. Because I was familiar with Cactus in Germany. Um, we were still getting ECW in Germany. Um, and it just, I don't know, man. There's a ton of matches that happen in ECW that I just... And I'm, I'm super biased with that because it's, it's what made me fucking, you know, fall in love with, uh, like, hardcore deathmatch wrestling originally. Yeah, and, and I get that. But, like I said, see each their own. And, you know, in in the scope of indies and, you know, infamy and on the indies, like, low-key, his home was Jersey All-Pro. So a guy like that, 
I mean, if that's what you're into, I mean, Jersey All Pro is a place for that in the homicides and the the hit squads, and, you know, in IWA Mid South, the Necro Butcher, you know, who became an icon, and then you know many other things, um, you know. IWA was the place to see that guy and and um CM Punk and Chris Hero. I mean those guys pretty fucking iconic, you know, and and those guys became big in the IWA. So imagine living in that area and seeing those guys in front of 150 people on a weekly basis, monthly basis depending on sometimes Ian runs weekly shows. You know, and and seeing 90 minute matches of Chris Hero CM Punk and then that guy winds up on TV so I'm sure that that those guys are some of their favorite wrestlers the way that you know the Foley's and the and obviously you know Foley's a huge huge icon as as is Terry Funk but you know what I mean yeah. it, I think uh, you know co- certain companies like Jersey All Pro I think uh don't get nearly as much credit as much as I've said this but I've never mentioned it you know, in relation to what I'm about to say now, but they, they're the first ones that really brought in New Japan and gave them their own show, basically, went half and half on them. Sure. Never get credit for that shit, but uh, Okada wasn't fucking Jersey All Pro, you know what I mean? Um, and in the first, uh, the first anniversary Jersey All Pro show, they had Stone Cold Steve Austin on that show. Like, they were still able to book WCW talent, WWF talent. They were still able to bring those type of guys in and merge them and mix them and, and you know, put them on cards with their talent. So yeah. crazy, crazy shit was going on. You go back 20 years and a lot of shit was different. So although obviously they didn't make your Stone Cold Steve Austins or anything like that, they were still able to really, you know, bring those guys to their home crowds. Yeah, um, yeah, dude. I mean, they had a ton of people. I think uh, right when uh, I think Jim Cornette from I think I actually heard it on your on your show uh, with Pat Frank, Jim Cornette was the one that kind of put a stop to to you know WWF guys doing autograph signings and stuff like that in Jersey All Pro. Yeah. Um, right after that, for the second anniversary, I believe they booked WCW talent and uh, they brought in like <laughs> Macho Man. So yeah, sorry, my dog just sneezed all over me. <laughs> yeah, but you know they would always make up for it, and uh, I think companies like Jersey All Pro and fucking CZW, whenever they couldn't deliver what, what was promised, um, they would bring something better, or they would at least make it up to their you know fan base. Yeah. So yeah, man. Absolutely. All right, man. Uh, anything else you want to mention before we uh, wrap this shit up? No, I think that's about it. As usual, you know, check me out on Wednesday doing the uh, Yakuza thing. And uh, I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about this week. But definitely my race. I'll definitely get into that because that was a big thing. There you go, man. But, uh, Still exhausted from it. Yeah, man. It's, it's fucking crazy. Fell off one of the obstacles. Fucking landed on my wrist. So that's that's a little banged up. Uh, I think I still got, like, lake water in my one ear. That's, <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, man. A lot of fun, but. Yeah, I'll get into all that and a lot, lot more on Wednesday. So uh, check it out. You know, blog talk radio backslash Yakuza. There you go. And check us out right here at Mixler.com slash THD podcast, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook.com slash group slash THD podcast. Leave some questions and uh, we'll get into them next week. And uh, any topics you want us to discuss, we'll definitely go over any questions and all that good stuff. That said, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be back next, well, this Sunday, actually. <laughs>